0: Well hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Courageous Beauty Podcast. I am your host Crystal. Thank you for tuning in with me. It is Wisdom Wednesday, you guys know. And so let's just jump right on into it. Now this episode is called The Road to Better. Now I was thinking about it because I was like, you know, I want to be better this year. You know how we always try to come up with a resolution and all those things and if we're being honest with ourselves, if we're not being diligent, they last the first couple of weeks of the year, and it's like, okay, what now, right? Well, I I learned on Sunday service, uh, Pastor Robert, she Roberts, te- she was teaching the Word, and she said, we need to really stop setting goals for a specific destination and realize that this life is a journey, and I've always said that to myself that, you know, life is a journey, you know. You you have no idea where you're going to go. We know that we're destined to go somewhere, but we have no idea what it is necessarily right away, especially growing up. And you're, you know, maybe you're a little kid and you take interest into something, uh, maybe you like the skate. And then all of a sudden you fall and then you decide, oh, I want to ride bikes now. We we do that as adults. We get complacent in certain areas of our life when something happens and then we move on to the next thing without really ever fulfilling Whatever that first thing that we set our mind to do was. And that's why I think it's important for us on our road to better to make sure that our desires are lined up with God's desires that, you know, what he has for us, his will for us. So that way we're not, you know, trying to get to destinations that, you know, we may not get to or if we do get there, it it wasn't meant for us to begin with. Right. And so I've, I've come to the conclusion that the road to better is reached one step at a time you know? And even if you run, you still have to put two feet on the ground, one foot at a time. You must get there faster. I mean, you might get there faster if you run, but the road to better is also about God's timing. You know, we got to remember that our hands, our lives are in God's hands. And some of us think that, you know, our situations are so bad, but God knows our end before the beginning and therefore our season might not be up yet because God hasn't stopped the clock to release us from the season we're in at the moment right and there just might be some more things that we need to learn from where we are at currently yet one step at a time we will get us to the road of better By and by and through the grace of God, he has already given us a measure of grace to walk in the calling he has given us. So we have to stop trying to escape the parts of our journey that will make us stronger for one, but that will also make God's name great. You know, now, first John four and four in the Amplified says little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have already defeated and overcome them. The agents of the Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater mightier than he who is in the world and the thing about that is that just lets us know that no matter what we face it could be people places things ideas, situations whatever it is jesus has already overcome the world and god says that because we belong to him we've already overcome through him right And so, because we know that we can do all things through Christ to strengthen us and we can overcome anything because we belong to God, we also need to know 2 Kings 6 and 16. And this is just, this is the uh, King James Version. And it says, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, I mentioned this the last episode, and I literally quoted myself in this blog. If you go to WordPress, um, You will go to WordPress blog for Courageous Beauty. You'll see that I quoted myself from the last episode. And the reason why I wanted to is because I want to put emphasis. We were talking about building foundation, asking you what your foundation was built on. And I put this little blurb in here that says the word of God has to be in you or you can easily fall out of the will of God and the world will win. When we are building foundations, we tend to build bad habits into them while God is trying to bless us. God will send us someone to correct us. And in the meantime, and so that we are not so hard on ourselves, so that we don't build condemnation in our foundation. So the reason why I wanted to mention that a second time is because of Romans 8, 1 through 39. Now, this is a lot, and I'm going to read it all because I think it's very important for us to get the concept of, you know, no longer being in condemnation versus conviction, right? So Romans 8, 1 through 39, it is the Amplified, which I love all versions of the Bible, but I just think that... um, the When you read the King James, it comes with a specific anointing because for me, that's how I learned the Bible. But then I also think it's very smart and intelligent to expand on different versions because it gives you a, a deeper depth of understanding and it'll break down some of the these and thous for you. So I'm reading this in the Amplified to give a little bit more context. So Romans 8, 139 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, Right. I need to, I need to speak specifically to where it says, therefore there is now no, meaning there was something that had transpired in order to get you to, there is now no, that means you had to first accept Christ, right? And I know it may be like, well, how did you get that out of that? Well, let me continue reading. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Condemnation means no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, there's your answer. Who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Right? So, to be fleshly minded or carnal minded is to walk by your own agenda. walk by the world's standards but we have to remember that we are in the world we're not of the world so when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and when the mind that was in Christ is now in us we no longer walk by faith and not by sight we trust God and trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us so once we are now walking after the dictates of the Holy Spirit because we accepted to choose Christ that means we are no longer subjected to condemnation or guilty of wrong in a judging. Okay? For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed from freed me from the law of sin and death. So in other words, before we became saved, the wages of sin was death. Well it is death. That was the fee or the recompense for sin. If you missed the mark, it means at some point, you know that your your life is going to be ending in death, and I think it's more than one fold. I think it's more than I don't want to say twofold, but it's more than one fold because you can be alive and be and be spiritually dead and going nowhere, right? But then there's also a physical death. Now everyone's. Potentially, I'm saying potentially because there is people that in the Bible actually didn't even see death and there shall be others that that won't see death, you know, depending on when the rapture comes, depending on when Jesus comes back. But the wages of sin is still is still death, even even after you're saved. But the point is, once you're saved by Jesus, the flesh itself is still going to die at some point in order to cross over for your salvation. But the beauty about that is while you're walking with Christ you're saved your soul is what will go with him your spirit you understand what i'm saying it won't it won't live where death lives <laughs> and that's interesting to say that death lives but but it does because when Jesus died it was a it was a living breathing thing the spirit of death was because it literally moved over different parts of the, of the world. Right. And, um, think about Egypt when the spirit of death went over across the, you know, uh, where the children of Israel were, uh, Pharaoh wasn't trying to let the children of Israel leave. So God sent the spirit of death over. And the only thing that protected the children of Israel was the blood of the lamb that was put on their doorposts, symbolic of the blood of Jesus bloodshed that would soon come from after that so when jesus died on the cross his blood is what saves us his atonement for our sins that's the only thing that could cover sin nature is the shedding of an innocent blood lamb and so that's why jesus is the ultimate sacrifice so when he died he wasn't done he still had to go to hell and take the keys to death hell and a grave so this thing is completely loaded when it says if you walk by the spirit of Christ and you're no longer walking after the flesh, then you're not going to be subject to condemnation. And it says, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being. When you accepted Christ, you died. Your your flesh died. Your old life died. Your old agendas died. Your The old identity died. You now live through Christ. And we have our very being in him. We are free from the law of the sin and of death. For God has done what the law could not do. It's power being weakened by the flesh. Because think about it. I don't know any perfect human being. No matter how you teach someone or teach a child You have to keep repeating the process. That's why there's laws so people can refer back to them because we have to have some type of structure to follow. Our flesh is weak. Even though you may find that you want to do something, you still might mess up. And that's the reason why Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it because he knew that literally right here it says, for God has done what the law could not do its power being weakened by the flesh because our flesh is imperfect it says the entire nature of man without without the holy spirit sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin god condemned sin in the flesh subdued or overcame and deprived it of his power o- over all who accept that sacrifice so the thing about it is is that there is power in sinful flesh to where it, 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 you know, the sin nature itself will cause you to have desires contrary to God. And then here comes Satan. He can't make you do anything, but he can influence you to lie weight into your, your desires, right? Things that are contrary to God. So it's not necessarily, I heard someone on TikTok say that it's not necessarily that Satan will make you lust after something he literally is just influencing what's already in your heart and what your heart is is part of your flesh so if you already are desiring to do something and you're not allowing yourself to or you're not watching what you feed your flesh or feed your spirit then if you keep feeding the flesh the flesh will get stronger the desires of your heart but if you walk by christ And live in him and you feed your spirit, then you're going to have the desires of God. And and, and I know that's a lot, but I'm going to read Romans 3 and uh, Romans 8 and 3 again. It says, for God has done what the law could not do, its power being weakened by the flesh. So the law that God created I don't believe in my heart that God just created this law just for us to follow. I believe the law was created as well as a mirror to show us how bad we were in order to set a barometer to say, look, this is what you look like because this is what you're doing. There had to be something that, you know, the reason why God had to create these 10, those 10 commandments, because those are some things that we were doing. And I'm saying we, because it's still going on today. You know, there had to be something. God's like, look, all right, there might be other things, but these 10 is a no, no. So I need to let you know what that looks like. And if you don't follow them, then you're going to die. And so because God is a loving father, he still didn't want to destroy everyone. So he wanted to give away an option. So that we could be saved so he can save us because we are his children and we'll get more into that later and so The whole thing is that the power of the law was weakened by flesh because We didn't follow and do what god said to do The entire nature of man without the holy spirit That's it. That's what flesh is And so god said, okay sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh so Jesus literally thought it not robbery to leave heaven to come into a sinful body to take on our our sinful nature and he and because he knew where he came from he still was able to overcome this world and all the desires and all the temptation that came with it because of the Holy Spirit so we now have that option because we now believe in Christ right He over, he subdued it, he overcame and deprived flesh, sin nature of its power. It's long, and it says over all who accept that sacrifice. That means in order for you to have your flesh subdued and your spirit to overpower your flesh, you have to accept the sacrifice of Jesus. You have to agree that he is your Lord and Savior. You have to believe that he died and rose again, right? You have to believe it and you have to walk in it. Verse four says, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Meaning our lives are governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, as we said before, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. Verse five says, for those who are according to who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds and or purpose those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So we we talked about that before. That's how we can get out of condemnation. Now, don't be deceived. The Holy, Holy Spirit will convict us to correction. God doesn't take that away in a sense of, um, you know, allowing you to see that you may still have some areas of correction or remind you, okay, let me remind you what the word says, but it takes away the shame element that sin puts on you, right? Verse six says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death, death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin. But here and here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life, soul, peace, both now and forever. Right. Verse seven says that is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law, and indeed it cannot. So God knew that, that's why I said when God made the law, I don't think it was just for us to follow. Of course it was to follow it, but he was literally setting a barometer like, look, I got to at least let you know where I need to draw the line for you, because I've already flooded the earth once and got rid of all human humans, and I don't want to do it again, so I need to do something so you can see where you're messing up at, right? So thank you, God. Thank you, God, for having mercy on us, even when you created the law, knowing that our sinful flesh couldn't do it. Because it literally says that is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For God can't look at sin. He turned his back on Jesus when he was on the cross because he had all of our sin on it. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. God understood that. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be accepted, acceptable to him. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, meaning he directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. Is not truly a child of God. We are, we want to be his children, right? So we have to allow Holy Spirit to con- to direct and control our, our life, right? But verse 10 says, but if Christ lives in you, then although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. So God gives us righteous imputing. Something means someone just literally gave it to you because, you know, his spirit is in you. Jesus, he makes his intercession for us, right? In between, you know, us, God, I mean, Jesus stands between us and God because you can't get to God directly without getting to the son. He says, you can't, you, you can't get through God through it unless you go through Jesus, Right. And the reason being is because Jesus is the one who bridged the gap between our sin for nature and God. So now that Jesus is ascended and sitting at the right hand of his father, he can say, God, I know they're messed up, but remember my sacrifice. This is one that believes on me. So he constantly makes intercession for us. And that's the reason why our natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, but our spirit is alive because the righteousness was imputed unto us because we live in Christ now. Verse 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Mortal, short-lived, perishable lives. So let me read that again. If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus, meaning the spirit of God who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Holy Spirit, right? He said he wouldn't leave us comfortless. So we, if we allow Holy Spirit to dwell in us, then that means he who raised up Christ, which is God, Holy Spirit, Jesus from the dead, Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. Glory to God. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of, of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. The spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. Verse 17 says, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs. We are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. So know that the road to better includes some bumpy rides. The road to better in Christ still includes trial and error. It still includes those things that are painful. Why? Because we must bear our cross too. It's not fair that Jesus may bear his cross alone. He already paid our, paid the debt for us. He already died for us. So, trust me, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We must know. Verse seventeen says, "And if we are His children, then we are His, His heirs also." heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we, if we're to share his glory. So if you want to reign with Christ, you suffer with him also. It's only right. Verse 18 says, but what of that? For I consider that this, I just said it. (laughs) I didn't even know this verse was right here isn't that something for i consider that the sovereign sufferings of this present time this present life are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us thank you lord for even the whole creation all nature nature waits expectantly and longs Expressed earnestly for God's sons to be made known. Waits for the revealing, the disclosing of his sonship. The whole earth, the whole creation, everything is out of whack. The ozone layer, the, you know, the smog, the, you know, all these different things going on in the world. The earth, because it's waiting for us to line up with the word of God. I tell you, if we were to come together and line up with God's word, all of us, all 8 billion folks, the whole earth would would start changing. Things would start getting better. The earth would would start healing itself for a time being until Jesus come back and this passes away and a new earth and new heaven descends. But the point that I'm trying to make is literally it says, for even the whole creation, meaning all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. Waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. That's very interesting to me because um, when God made everything, he, the, the trees, the fruit, they all obey God's command. He said, let them bear seed within itself and then let it continue to create itself. That continued to happen. But then when the sin nature comes in, it affects everything around us. Then you start hearing about places that have a famine. Then you start hearing about places that once had water is now a desert. The times that we see now is because the children of God are out of order and the time feels accelerated because it's really time for us to get back in order because we have no idea when Jesus is going to come. Don't get caught slipping on your road to better. This is this is all the road to better. Right. Verse 20 says for the creation, meaning nature was subjected to frailty, to fealty, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it yet with hope. Verse 21 says that nature or creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and again an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. So you see, earth itself is decaying, is in bondage because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We know that the whole creation of irrational creatures has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves too who have and and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come. We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensual, from sensuality and the grave, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation as God's son. So in other words, it's saying that, you know, you have a burning desire to do better. You know that there's better in your life and sometimes it just takes us some time to get there step by step day by day you might go take a few steps and then that decision made you had to turn left and then you have to take another step and then you may have to go back life is a journey there is not just one set destination on this earth until God comes back God has given us many gifts and many talents and many things for us to do and the road to better causes for us to go through a journey of life in Christ to figure out what that is so that he can get the glory and we can be saved for real, for real, right? We have the Holy Spirit and we have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit in order to get us through. Now, verse 24 says, for in this hope, we were saved, but hope the object of it in that which is seen is not hope for how can we hope for what he already sees? But if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. So, so too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what, what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and growings to deep for utterance, too deep for utterance. Sometimes you have no idea what you need from God. And even if you shed a tear, you just cry out to him, God, I, I I, have no idea what it is that's going on. And if you have a heavenly language, if you speak in tongues, do it. You know, that's our heavenly language. You may not even understand what you're saying, but you can ask God for understanding. If it's meant for you to understand at that moment, he'll reveal it to you. But we have to be in constant communication Because with with God, because he's the only one who has the answers. Sometimes you might be deep in thought and you and and sometimes people may say, oh, this person might be depressed, but that person may not even be depressed. We got to be careful labeling ourselves. Our spirit could just want something better and we haven't tapped into it yet. May not even be depression. We got to stop being so quick to run to that and I'm not watering it down and you know watering down the pressure. I mean, I've been depressed before, let's be honest. But the point is, we got to be st- we got to stop being so quick to call something, you know, that the world created and find out what God is saying because it literally tells us that it's okay to not know what's going on because the Holy Spirit is going to plead for us. So that doesn't mean that you have to know everything. That gives us peace and hope on this journey. You may not have a a GPS. You may not really be good at, you you know, geographical location. You may not know. But the Holy Spirit is our GPS. He will lead us and guide us to where we need to be. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. That's amazing. Holy Spirit knows what God's will is and he knows the desires of our heart. So he'll lead us to that. Even when you have no clue what you're supposed to do or supposed to be. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. I'm going to read that scripture again in a little bit. Verse twenty nine says, "For those who he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also predest, pre uh, he also deterred or excuse me he also detained from the beginning, for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren." So the thing about this is beautiful, God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb he already destined for us to be what we are supposed to be we just haven't caught up to it yet isn't that amazing that's why it says in jeremiah 29 that i have plans to prosper you to give you an expected end he knows the plans he has towards us the thoughts he has towards us we just haven't got wind of it yet because we may not be ready for that yet i feel like if it's just like a child if you give them something so much they you know, don't appreciate what you've given them because they don't understand the sacrifice that it took to get it. So you have to allow them to grow into things and learn how to earn things on their own. And they'll understand and appreciate what they get. If you just keep giving it to them and they already got it, once they get it, they're going to lose it. So God does us the same way. He don't give us everything all at one time. Right. Verse 30 says, and those whom he thus foreordained, foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, meaning acquitted, made righteous, put them into right standing with himself. God acquitted us of our crime, of our sin, of our guilt, of our shame. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to heavenly dignity and condition of state of being. Ooh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve his grace, y'all. We don't deserve his mercy. But we want to we wanna be on the road to better. It don't always look like it. It don't always look like the stuff that we're going, to, going through and the trials and the tribulations is God's grace and mercy. But honey, you alive to go through it. So that's grace and mercy right there. There's people out here that's, that's, that's leaving this earth left and right, but yet God saw fit to keep you. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? So you mean to tell me you think he he gave up Jesus, his only begotten son, to get all of us? You think he ain't going to make sure you good? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is hid, when when it is God who justifies? That is who puts us in right relation to himself. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God who equits us? That's a question. You're not even qualified to judge yourself let alone someone else laying any charge to, your, to God's elect. When you belong to God, can't nobody judge you? They can speak words, they can say, they can ridicule, but really the judgment that matters is, is God's judgment. Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? Even as it is written for thy sake, we are put to death all the day long. We are re- re- regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. I mean you going through. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, beyond doubt, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impeding and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. A lot of times we forget that when we have accepted Jesus in our lives, we are no longer subjected to condemnation. But as I said before, Holy Spirit will convict us to correct us, which God chastised those that he loves. And if we cannot be corrected, we are considered a bastard, which means a fatherless child. In this walk of life, we have to allow ourselves to really accept God's grace and forgiveness and not be too hard on ourselves and others. We have to remember, I said I was going to read it again, Romans 28 and 8. This is the King James Version. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And in the Amplified, it says, we are assured and know, That God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for God for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. If we can just hold on a little while longer and trust God in patience, we will soon see that even though it's still dark when morning comes, the light of the joy of the Lord will soon come while we wait we must think on the things of God. In fact, we can meditate in his in God's word day and night. Which I tell you, in Philippians four, four nine, 12 through 13 amplified. I'm going to read it. Therefore, my brethren whom I love and yearn to see my delight and crown wreath of victory, thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat and advise Udia, and I entreat and advise sent to agree to work in harmony in the Lord. And I exhort you too. Genuine yoke fellow, help these two women to keep and and cooperating for they have toiled along with me in the spread of the good news and gospel, as have Clement and the rest of my fellow so so Paul was telling them like you know, hey, you know, thank you for being with me, I rejoice in you and and in and all of that, but he's saying in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always, delight, meaning gladden yourselves in him again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving. Don't just be going to God all dry and not be grateful and thankful with your hand out. Continue to make your requests and your, your wants known to God, and God's peace shall be yours, His tranquil state of soul assured of his salvation through Christ, and so bearing forbearing nothing from God, and being content with his earthly lot of what so whatever sort that is that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And verse eight, it says Philippians four and eight for the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reference and an honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable. Whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and model your way of living on it. And the God of peace, of, tr- of untroubled, undisturbed well being will be with you. I know how to be abased and live humbly. And in straight and straightened circumstances. And I also know how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well fed or going hungry, having having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength to me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And with that understanding, we can truly allow God's word to not only order our steps, but also to be a limp unto our path and in our feet. In dark times, it's a beautiful thing to know that we don't have to just call on God when darkness is in our lives. We can call on him in the midst of our light times and beautiful mornings just to sup with him, just to sit with him and tell him that we love him. We can give him the oil of praise like the dew falls on the blades of grass in the morning. God is everything we will ever need. And if we tap into him, no matter how bumpy the road is, no matter how many potholes, manholes and ditches you face, you will always be on the road to better in Christ. I really hope you enjoyed this word today. I really feel full of myself and I just thank God so much for always giving us something to eat on for the week. So that we can just be mindful that as we are on our journey in life, we're always on the road to better. No matter how bumpy the situation is, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And so we can always count on him. And even when you do go through, count it on joy, knowing that you're reigning with Christ if you, if you suffer with him. And so I will leave you with that. And I thank you so very much for listening and God bless you. And until next time, bye for now.